Hello, everybody. We are Matt and Kevin, and welcome to Season 3 of the Believe Overwatch League podcast from the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us on all social media at Believe in OWL and at Believe.com. This week, we discuss tech sales, the Microsoft ABK acquisition, and more actual Overwatch news. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, this week's episode of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. We are back at it again, as always, and every week from now until the end of time. Um, well, until we reach the end of time, how are you doing this week, Kevin? Uh, I'm I'm doing good. I've been uh, working on a lot of little things, um, trying to get my YouTube stuff up and running. Uh, so yeah, it's more of been staying up super late at night, like studying, like how to thumbnail, how to edit and stuff like that. And then hopefully getting something up on my YouTube channel because I'm very hesitant in terms of like my mm-hmm. editing. Um, other than that, I've just been watching a lot of... Uh, marvel stuff i I was a little late to this one because i was watching the entire series of marvels assembled um which if you guys haven't seen that it's the behind the scenes of like everything that they've shot so far oh so it's like the behind the scenes of wandavision loki uh what if uh falcon and the winter soldier black widow and shang chi so it's like they're each like an hour long, but I, I sat down and I watched the filmmaking process again. And they, it kind of goes over like, you know, what the directors were looking for when they were making it. And it, it's just a really interesting, you know, documentary series about, you know, your favorite Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that they like made entire series based on the behind the scenes stuff and like how deep you can go into into looking at the making of these things, because I know. I think for for most people, or at least the most people that I've talked to, one of the biggest ones people love looking at the behind the scenes for is the Lord of the Rings series. So this yeah. kind of feels like that, but just for a different fandom. Yeah, it just feels like it's super like big. And I mean, like it, it is big, but like it's just a lot to dive into. Um, yeah, I didn't expect to be there for like that long, honestly. <laughs> so far which oh. was your favorite to, to oh that, that's a tough one because like for. um i did like the first episode is on wandavision and i really liked what they did like if you don't know like half of the gimmick for wandavision it's that it kind of breezes through like the evolution of television uh, it goes from like the the 1950s and then it goes like 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and then like present day like TV series. Um, but it was really interesting to get like the authenticity of like some of the older things that they were trying to aim for. They would like one of them for like the 50s, they actually got a live studio audience, which I was like, that's oh really you couldn't have just you couldn't have just used canned laughter. And they're like, no, we had to get a full studio audience for this and that was really cool to like see come like completely full circle and you would just think like oh well yeah you most of the time you just get a room full of paid actors and just have them stand there and 
like just listen to what they have to say but like no it's more of like a they had to recreate the whole experience for the cast so they could actually mm-hmm. feel what it's like it was it's really interesting to know how far you know marvel is willing to go to get this kind of like product essentially mm-hmm. i'm not sure if i if i actually ever learn this one of my my wondering the uh, words one of the things i'm wondering is just like why is the live studio audience a thing? I don't know if you learned it when you were in school, Kevin, and doing in your studies, school? but like, yeah, why why does a live studio audience need to be a thing? For because for me, watching sitcoms, I hated the live studio audience thing, mm-hmm. and like I hate canned laughter because it feels so fake. It's like it's telling you when to laugh because it's not funny enough on its own. It's like mm-hmm. one of the criticisms I've heard about like shows like Friends. I've never seen Friends. But one of the criticisms I heard is that, like, if you take the the laugh track out of Friends, there's nothing to laugh at because it's not funny enough on its own. Um, I can't judge the veracity of that claim. But, like, when I watch comedies, the ones that I enjoy most are the ones without them. Like, um, I never I never got to finish this first season of Resident Alien because I got too busy. But, like, Resident Alien was the one that I really enjoyed fairly recently, and it didn't have the canned laughter. It's funny on its own, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I totally understand that that idea, and I think it's a bit of it's like a fifty fifty thing. Like the reason why the audience was there was because the the origin of television back in the 50s was still like new to them for like cameras and everything so they staged it like it was a play um on a set so they had a they had the audience there kind of for like kind of for the idea that there was an audience not only for the performers but kind of like you're sitting in a chair watching this happen um from like kind of like a crowd perspective that was what it was i think that was what it was trying to emulate back then Mm -hmm. um but it kind of just carried its way through you know television like you know friends is made in like the 90s so like 90s early 2000s so when you have that idea like it it just kind of became like a staple so like there's still Mm -hmm. like that idea that it's filmed in front of a live studio audience it really doesn't need to be but yeah. it's just there as like a thing that we all acknowledge now mm-hmm. like i get it for game shows why it like it adds to the atmosphere of everything and then you get people watching it and it's fun to watch like i i'm i'm not complaining about like game shows it adds a lot to the energy and ambiance but like for first sitcoms, it it's it for me really doesn't make sense. And I get like as a fan, it makes sense because you get to like see your um see the, the the way it's made, you get to interact with the actors, and it's like it's a good experience as a fan, but kind of like as a studio, as as filmmakers, I'm not sure if it makes sense because it's like you can have a heckler in the audience and like, yeah, they'll get thrown out, but that's like a take that you've lost or what if something's yeah. not playing off and no one's laughing at it? It's like, and also it just the amount of time and money and, and whatever you have to go through in that process to make sure that like, they're not on their phones. They're not telling people about it. They're signing all these legal things, these documents you're having to c- 
control the the crowd or whatever. So I don't know. I as a personal opinion, like I I there's people who probably think it's fun to have that canned laughter just adds to the show. But for me, it's just like it, it immediately like ruins the experience for me if I if I'm watching a show and there's like a canned laugh. Yeah, it's it's a 50-50 for sure. It's like it's a good idea to have it uh it, it's the way how it's shot and like the the tradition of having a live studio audience but at the same time um you have yeah you do have especially in our current like era where you have like uh you have cell phones in your pocket you have cameras wherever you want them um it can become like a you know like an nda thing where like one mm-hmm. person just takes a photo of the set and now everybody knows oh they're they're shooting something here and it's it's crazy so um definitely an interesting take for sure like we we don't need it but it's it's there to stay for now right and like i kind of get the the like performing it's so much better when you have an audience but I don't feel like that should apply for television as much as it is on in live theater, but eh, what do I know? I'm not a studio executive. That was a very long tangent. <laughs> yeah, it, it's fine. Uh, how about you? How was your week? My week has been decently good. Um, can't remember what I did Saturday. No, I remember what I did Saturday. Um, I'm getting my days mixed up. So on Saturday, we went to little tokyo again i went to the same restaurant that um you and i went to when you visited and we went there uh we went to like daiso and if you've never been to daiso to our listeners it's like it's this wonderful little shop it's this japanese kind of discount store and everything's like between a dollar fifty to five bucks or so and they just have the most random assortment of things that you could possibly think of like they have everything from like a shower cap to like snacks and toys for kids and ceramics and and gardening tools and it's just a weird collection of stuff but it's all super cheap and it's really cool so we went there and then we went to the uh, Hayao Miyazaki exhibit at the Academy Museum down here which was really cool because I'm a really big fan of Miyazaki so my siblings um my brother's girlfriend and my sister's boyfriend. We all went down there. Uh, it's also right next to LACMA, which is the LA County Museum of Art. So if you've ever seen that photo of, or people take a photo with like the urban lights exhibit with just all the bunch of street lamps in LA, um, that's around the area where we were, which is also really close to the office for where I would be working if we weren't work from home. So it was interesting being in LA. I really liked the museum. Um, I am still of the age where I can pass for a student and I still have my student ID card. So I usually just buy a student ticket for everything and get the discount, even though I am no longer a student. They can't say otherwise. They don't know my life. I could be a grad student for all they know. But anyway, so I paid the student price and they didn't check to make sure I actually was a student, which was really nice Um, because as much as I like doing that, I don't like having to lie to people's face. But for 15 bucks, the museum is really nice. It's like the first floor is just where you check in. The second floor is a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. It like goes through part of the history of, of filmmaking. And then there's a third floor and we're with like a bunch of the props and like 
character costumes from a lot of really famous movies. Like they had R2-D2 there. They had a miniature model of um, the Cobblepot Manor from Batman Returns. Um, a bunch of other cool stuff. And then on the fourth floor is the Miyazaki exhibit, which they're not, they don't let you take pictures, which is a little bit disappointing because I would have loved to take pictures, but I get it because they want you to have the full experience and they want you to actually go to the exhibit. But it was really cool. It was a lot smaller than I would have liked, but it was really nice seeing all like the original art and the designs and learning a little bit more about the process of Hayao Miyazaki making films. And then the next day we went out for brunch like we normally do. And then I picked up a ton of the Miyazaki films at like Target and Barnes and Noble. So I spent way too much this week. Yeah. Uh, have you seen the documentary, The Neverending Man? I've seen part of it because I know they were they were showing it on PBS, but I it was it's like a three part documentary, right? Or something. It's like, like the I, I believe it's a one part, but it's just it's kind of long. Okay, so that's um, probably how they they probably like played it multiple nights just for people. But I've seen part yeah. of it, not seen the whole thing. Yeah, it, it's really interesting because it talks about like the Never Ending Man. I believe was uh, Miyazaki when he was doing Ponyo. I think it was Ponyo. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. and it's yeah, like him saying like, yeah, it's him talking about like I I'm done after this and like. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of scenes that are like memed from that. And he's like, you know, anime was a mistake. Like that. <laughs> he's like, why do why do like people ruin everything? <laughs> like, he's like very narcissistic, and then he draws like these really cute things, and you're like, okay. Um, but it's really interesting because like we know we know the story that happens after it too. Because like we we were all there, and he's like, Ponyo is my last film, and we're like, okay, that's, uh, that's- a lie. That, that makes sense. And then, like, you know, he makes The Wind Rises, and he's like, okay, this is my last film. And we're like, mm. <laughs> is it though? Are you sure about is that? It though? So, yeah, it's really it's really interesting to, like, understand his thought process. Mm-hmm. It's more like he wants to tell these stories, but he just doesn't know if, like, he will appreciate where anime goes afterwards. And, like, mm-hmm. um, it's like this whole thing of, like, he started this... uh like he wouldn't he didn't start anime but like he kind of like made it really popular around the world because of his stories of totoro and you know spirited away being you know an oscar winner and stuff like that so it's just like how how much does like the kind of the grandfather of like modern anime feel about everything that's going on right now yeah um, it's really it's really funny um i i liked it just for miyazaki's hot takes where he's just like <laughs> man why they screw over everything like i'm so done with this industry and then you just you see him he's like i could go for a smoke break and go back to work <laughs> just like okay um seems, seems like like a very funny but very cranky old man yeah and he, it's really it's really like nice to know that even like the most like talented artist that you know is just like pissed off 80 percent of the time <laughs> and then he's just like okay i'm gonna go draw a cute little like goldfish character and then he goes upstairs has a smoke break and he's like life sucks <laughs> he, goes back, <laughs> he goes back downstairs and he's like okay back to my drawing and i'm like okay <laughs> and he does like you know like typical grandpa things like every morning they do like you know radio calisthenics and they all oh stretch and stuff and i'm like man it, it's like he, he's got it 
he's like just stressed all the time but like when he's done it looks so nice um it's worth the stress it's it's, it's worth it and he's like man i'm, I'm done after this and mm-hmm. it's just fun it's it's a very yeah. fun thing and like um yeah i saw the i saw the banners when we were over at uh when when i came down to visit i saw yeah, like the miyazaki yeah. banners and i was like oh man it'd be really nice to like peek in there but i mean it'll be here i think till june so oh, okay we'll see if uh we'll also, see if there's you, a you need, to, uh, you need to reserve your ticket in advance because they don't take same day appointment things so okay so we'll, we'll see how Heads that up. goes uh if there's a mini hoops that needs to be broken <laughs> uh I'll, I'll i'll see if i can book a trip <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so I, I thought it was a really cute exhibit um I went I went to the uh, the museum store afterwards because I've been buying a lot of merch from things that I go to now. It's it's I have this disposable income to do it. So let's, let's do it. Why not? So I bought a po- one of the things I bought was a poster from the uh, from the exhibit of Spirited Away. Um, and like they show you the poster is on display in the gift shop, but it's like way overhead so you can't really get a good scope of how big it is. Now, this poster is 27 by 40 inches. And then when I bought the frame for it the next day, I'm like, oh, God, this is giant. This is like, this is almost a four foot tall poster. And they might not, that might not sound like a lot, but when you finally put it up on a wall, it takes up a lot <laughs> of real estate. It looks really nice, but it's really big. That's what she said. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, like how, like you, you don't really realize how big posters are until you like get them in a frame and you try to look mm-hmm. for a frame. Mm-hmm. So like, it and sometimes like I have some posters that like standard. Uh, how can I say it? Like back when conventions were a thing, uh, back in the ye old days of 2019, um, <laughs> we I used to go around like the artist alley and there's like a standard size. It's like. I think it's 17 by 11 or something like that. I think so. But that sounds about if right. you If you try to like buy from anybody else who doesn't have like standard ones, you're like, okay, how do I, how do I fit this in here? Or like, mm-hmm. how, do, how do I find a sleeve that'll, that'll fit this? And uh, yeah, you just usually end up like laminating it or asking somebody to make a specific frame for it. But it's always like, man, it's just, it's different. <laughs> it feels, it feels weird. Yeah. I went to LACMA a few, well, not a few years ago, actually about 10 years ago now. And I got this, there was the Tim Burton exhibit, which was really cool. I really loved it. This was back in my very big Tim Burton phase, which I'm pretty sure like every millennial has gone through a Tim Burton phase. Um, But this was my Tim Burton phase. And I went to the exhibit and there was this really cool poster of art that he did with like numbers as monsters. Um, and I wanted to frame it, but it doesn't fit into a, any normal frame size. Like at least 10 years ago, it didn't. So I still have this unframed, really cool Tim Burton poster from 10 years ago that I have not been able to frame because it doesn't fit in a goddamn normal frame. What are you doing, LACMA? Trying to sell me your custom framing stuff? I don't want that. I need, I just want to frame it in a cheap frame on my own, but I can't because it's a weird size. Can you tell I'm still bitter? Yeah, we we need a. They they're having a monopoly on the uh, on the products that you can actually use there. Oh boy! Well, that was a 
that was that was quite the uh the tangent oh wait before i forget uh favorite miyazaki film oh shit <laughs> that's a hard ask buddy um I, not for me it's spirited away hands down i will die on this hill okay my favorite so, is spirited away my mom is a diehard totoro fan like her license plate is i heart totoro that's respectable um so that that is like her go-to um for me it's tough um yeah um i i loved princess mononoke growing up i think that's like one of the one of the few ones that were more on the edgy side that i that i liked so edgy um but i mean if if i had to pick like one to like hone in on like that's not a studio ghibli film but just a miyazaki film in general um i like the castle of cagliostro if if you haven't seen lupon the third castle of cagliostro that's um, his first one yeah that's his first directed feature um and it's fun to watch that because like i i love the characters in lupon and because they're timeless they're timeless characters you could throw them in anywhere you could put them in space and they'll work so it's like that ensemble cast with Miyazaki's like charm that he kind of carries throughout like his career. Um, and you see that kind of work out together, um, like already established characters with the style and like, I guess, animation workflow of Miyazaki. Um, and that, that was a lot of fun. I, I like that one just as like one to go back to um, all the time interesting that's one of the ones i haven't seen yeah it it's how can i say it like i like the idea of getting people into lupon either through that movie or through a different like lupon or like one of the, even the newer lupon movie is actually really really good mm-hmm. but like just to know like this is where miyazaki kind of started and like it branched off from here um is just a really cool like learning thing yeah well now that our very long housekeeping segues are done let's get into the news of the week um and to start with something awful um (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so as many of you may know from very personal experience it's tough to get a new console these days just on top of covid and the supply issues we've got people called scalpers who buy up just ridiculous amounts of these consoles and then try to sell them back at an even higher profit because they have nothing to do with their lives except make other people miserable hooray you all suck um but there's a guy whose name was is what i say was he's still alive unfortunately Um, his name is jack bayless he runs aftermarket arbitrage a paid subscription service that notifies scalpers when a next generation console is about to become available at an online retailer so that they have a steady supply of hardware to sell so this dude charges i don't know what it is in 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 real person money but he charges 30 pounds a month. Sorry to insult the British, <laughs> but he, he charges 30 pounds a month um, and a yearly subscription of 300 pounds. 
um, to just tell these people when to go and scalp all these consoles. Um, it, it's it's really ridiculous. And his defense of this, his defense of this is. Uh, what they're doing is they're being entrepreneurs. They're going out, they're creating a side income, and they're doing something that 90% of the population can't be bothered to do. Um, look, at every single step of the supply chain, someone is adding value somewhere. It's not being sold at cost price. It's capitalism. Um, so pretty much his defense of doing this is, hey, I'm creating jobs. Doesn't that make you feel better, Kevin? He's creating jobs. It's not the job. It's not. It's not an <laughs> honest, honest job. Like, okay, if it was like, if it was like Task Rabbit, right? Where it's more like you you pay for the service of somebody to get it for you at the regular price, and then like deliver it to you, right? Like, it's not like I'm, I'm buying it from somewhere else that's potentially shady right it's like You're not postmates in your ps5 yeah it it's it, it's better that way like <laughs> if we could have just like avoided the whole scalper thing of like them being like i have this let me just add a hundred dollars to it um it, it's not it doesn't work that way it's not it's not fun you know oh um, no, yeah no absolutely you, you have to if you're scalping is not good it it just makes everybody it inconveniences a lot of people and yes i understand like people are going to be like oh well i want it so i'll pay x amount to get it but like at the Mm -hmm. same time i know they're gonna they're gonna come out with more so like just we we wait we just we just play the waiting game i think the best part of this is that he says that the scalpers are doing something that 90% of the population can't be bothered to do. Uh, if you mean can't be bothered to do as in like, just be regular, normal people. And I'm sorry, I don't have the income desire or just overall shitty soul that goes around and, in buys what, however many consoles I can get my hands on and sells them at like, a 50% markup. I'm sorry I can't do that or don't want to do that. Like <sighs> Yeah, it's way better to like get it honestly than have to it it just feels scummy. Just mm-hmm. don't buy things and mark it up. Like if you're going to and don't be a hoarder. That's gross. <laughs> it's just it's stupid. Have you it's going to get to a point where somebody's going to try to buy out like a bunch of something right mm-hmm. and then they're gonna come back and there's that <laughs> nobody's gonna want them anymore <laughs> like yeah they're gonna have to just give it away for like a fraction of what the original price was see i know that they're very slowly starting to trickle out consoles into like actual physical retail stores now it's it's starting to happen so as long as people like just hold on a little bit longer you can get it at retail price without feeding the scalpers and then what are they going to do just sit on their sad throne of unopened playstations and xboxes and switch oleds but like there are like as i've said before there are places that you can look to that will also tell you when the the stock is coming that you one don't have to pay for and two are not run by scalpers like again, my go-to was Matt Swider on Twitter, just 
go to Matt Swider, set alerts for his thing and just like watch his YouTube stream, sign up for his new letter, news, newsletter, and then you'll know when they're coming. I've done it for my PS5 and my Xbox. It works. And he doesn't charge anything for it. So don't feed the scalpers. It's bad. It's like you don't go and feed the pigeons at places because they're just spreading disease. Don't feed the scalpers. They'll spread disease. Maybe that's how we can fight the scalpers, Kevin. Just misinformation campaign. Scalpers spread disease. I think everyone wins there. And I th- yeah, I think you just got to not give in. Uh, just just wait patiently. Patience, patience is good. Uh, and, and we'll probably get you a second release of a PS5. Um, so uh, in this week's episode edition of NFT nonsense, that's the theme song for NFT nonsense. Um, so there's this kid in Indonesia and for five years, he's just been like taking photos of himself in front of his cam, his computer setup. Um, his name is Sultan Gustav Al Ghazali. I I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, but as a joke, he well originally he was he was doing this as a, a time lapse project. Like he was going to take a photo of him from like I guess beginning of college to when he graduated. But as a joke, he decided to sell these nine hundred thirty three selfies entitled Ghazali Every Day as nfts um and he did it as a joke he didn't think anyone would actually buy it so he only set them at three dollars as a price point um but since then over 500 people have bought his selfies and now they've like made t-shirts of them they're writing songs about him and he has earned more than a million dollars from this selfie collection of himself I mean, good good on him for making making money out of a out of a potential YouTube video. <laughs> I feel like he obviously like good for him, but like, who are the idiots who who bought these things? Yeah, who wants a who who wants a, a, a an NFT of this dude? Like He's just not- this random in- Indonesian boy. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I I guess it's cool, but like, what is there a meme? Is this another, you know, monkey thing? Is like, do we not? Do we we just too too small brain to understand, or is it is it just a? I feel like it's just a meme at this point. It's just a very expensive meme. Too wrinkly for us to understand, Kevin. Unfortunate. (laughs) We're not dumb enough for this. I I gotta go get the iron for my brain. (laughs) Um. But continuing NFT nonsense. Um, There's more. A lot of you know who Fran is. She's a a Overwatch personality streamer. Um, she was with Dante at one point, right? Fran, yeah. But now she's, I think, with Gator. Well, all, all I know is that she's still with like the Toronto Defiant, right? She's still the yeah content creator for them. Well, anyway, um, oh, she's not with Gate with Dante anymore. Huh. Okay. Well, anyway, regardless of her her dating history and what she's doing, but um, 
So she has since said that she's going to quit Twitch and she's quitting Overwatch overall because she posted to her Twitter, do Overwatch fans hating on NFTs know that the number one NFT in trade volume right now is made by people from the Overwatch team? Um, I don't know what NFT particularly that is, but uh, she tw- she tweeted that and a lot of people were mad at her. And I guess they took to her her streams and whatever to attack her for it um, because they felt like she was being stupid and she's trying to shill NFTs and become like the, an NFT bro and, and try to scam them out of their money. Um, and obviously that upset her and she decided that she's just done with the whole overwatch and, and everything. Um, yeah. So I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how I feel about, and like, she's allowed to like nfts i'm allowed to think that she's stupid we shouldn't bully her but also like i feel like the only way we'll get nfts to stop is if we bully people who try to push nfts on us but like i don't know this is a this is a weird thing because now the overwatch community has lost a very popular personality and she's like she's expressed that she doesn't even think she's going to come back for overwatch 2 when that releases i think she's just done with uh maybe streaming esports and and professional video gaming in general i guess this is a really quick way of saying i'm done um i i feel like this wasn't the this wasn't the straw that broke the camel's back or anything i felt like this this is probably something that's been lingering on her and she was just looking for like a way out and if if this if this tweet uh-huh. followed by the twit longer two days later is like her saying like, okay, I need something to get me out and this will do it. And like, if she believes it, she believes it, right? Like that's her opinion. That's totally fine. Um, I'm, I'm just, I don't understand. Um, it, <laughs> Again, it, our it brains are too wrinkly. 50, 50. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> hopefully like, the the thing is you want your favorite content creators to be happy with whatever they're doing. And like, I understand like for me personally, like I can be like playing whatever game is most popular or which whatever game will get me like the most viewers, but I do whatever makes me happy. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. what people need to see from friend right now. Like, I, I get it. She's like sponsored. She was sponsored by like a bunch of people. And like, if this means anything for the overwatch community, like her dropping out is probably like more of a hit to, to the, to the Toronto defiant than anything. Um, but yeah, it's kind of weird how she, she's just kind of using this as a way to get out. And if it makes her happy, it makes her happy. Like I'm fine with that. Um, yeah, just, just make sure that like you don't like don't don't go around bullying her like all the time like just say like your your opinion is whatever it is and then if if this goes through and it becomes something big like we'll be like okay yeah we were wrong we'll we'll understand that but like for now we're we're still really like reluctant like we don't understand how this works or mm-hmm. if it ever will work so it's more like you know i i get it if you want to have like Matt Damon talked to me from a spaceship or whatever. <laughs> um, 
yeah i i get it but bro mad yeah like i i don't i don't understand it yet and i don't want to take the risk nor do i have the disposable income for that so that (laughs) that's more of the thing it's more of like okay well i'll let you do your thing if we lose friend that's just one content creator there's a lot of other people out there um and if this means like she's quitting twitch like she's quitting twitch and she's quitting overwatch maybe she's just tired of the spotlight you know and maybe this is her way she also says she like recently moved in back with her parents to help take care of them so yeah it's more of an okay move it's like hey you know the i would say like the pandemic is kind of like taking away the opportunity to do a lot of this in-person content creation and have fun and stuff like that but um how do you like finding happiness is the most important thing or just making sure that like everything is taken care of and if fran needs to take a break from you know, social media and from Overwatch and from everything else that's going on right now, then then go for it. So I don't know when she changed this, but now her her bio on Twitter is in all caps. I'm free. Yeah, maybe I I don't know. I don't know what that means. Maybe she's done, and that that's fine. I mean, people can fade yeah. out of the spotlight whenever they want. So so it, it uh, does make sense what you're saying that maybe this was just like the excuse she needed to to make her exit because like it does feel like this is a, a very small thing to completely like end her career over even if it like she does even if she's getting bullied online a lot for it i feel like maybe she's like if you're gonna have a career in this you have to be made of sterner stuff than to be didn't quit over just one incident so i think you're probably right honestly that she was just looking for a way out and this gave her that out to go back to the, the original thing we were talking about with like with consoles. Um, and I guess like this will lead later into the, uh, the blizzard stuff, but according to this one gaming analyst, Piers Harding rolls, I'm not sure what company he works for, um, but he's a gaming analyst. And according to his predictions, uh, the PS five is still going to outsell the Xbox two to one next year, even though like the switch will still outsell both. Um, I'm kind of curious about that, that metric because one, we don't know how reliable this guy is. Like I've spoken to gaming analysts before who have been completely wrong about things. They're like, Oh yeah, this is not, this is going to be huge or this is not going to be a a big deal. It's going to blow over. And then it turns out to be the complete opposite of what they said. So um, I'm not sure why IGN is particularly highlighting this. Um, but the projection is PS5s are going to sell 18 million. Uh, Xbox Series X is going to sell 9 million in 2022. Um, but considering like the latest acquisition from Microsoft, assuming that it goes through... I'm not sure. I'm still confused as to um, how Sony expects to keep that pace going. Because while I do still think that the Xbox is an inferior machine to the PlayStation 5, they just got a huge boost to their library. And honestly, mm-hmm. like Game Pass is amazing. Yeah. I, I haven't done Game Pass and I know I should. Um, <laughs> 
But yeah, it's really interesting to to hear this number, you know, two to one. Um, but I I wouldn't say I agree, but I do feel like it is um something that we have to look into. Cause like I as I stated in the last uh the last episode, Microsoft is a PC company and then a gaming company. So right. with the Xbox games, majority of them have like shuffled their way onto PC one way or another, um, whether it's like newer or older. And we we've been looking at that um at that trend, so to say, and how it how it moves. Um, but hopefully like we get a lot more like I, w- I wouldn't say like Xbox exclusives, but I do think the exclusivity game belongs right now, obviously to like Sony and to Nintendo. Like there's no way you're playing like a new Mario game on the PC ever, mm. unless they come out with the Nintendo PC, which I, I don't think <laughs> is going to happen. Um, but like that. And then like Sony has always had like specific exclusives that they kind of just hold hostage until like five years later. And then they like move it to PC mm-hmm. uh, and then, and then it just sells out like crazy on PC again. Um, but yeah, just uh, this is not me saying it, but please bring back NBA street. Um, <laughs> I, but yeah, it's just that whole idea of like, they have exclusives that we want to play. Therefore we buy their consoles. And then the Xbox series X, even though it may have like, you know, certain like graphics quality things that, you know, some other people prefer. It's still like, well, if we're going to play Halo Infinite, it's going to come out on PC. We're just going to play it on PC. Um, so I do feel like that's the that's the thing. Like if I don't know what they need, like, I mean, if it I would hate for, you know, the ABK thing to become an exclusivity thing, but I don't think that's the way to go. I think Xbox just needs to have a good like exclusive to their name again. That's not just Bungie, you know, or you know, 343 anymore. So yeah, 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 they have to find another really good exclusive property and then I think their stuff will start to snowball more. Mhm. Well, I mean, speaking of exclusives, Horizon Forbidden West is coming out pretty soon, so I mean, depending on how that performs, that might actually help them with the boost. But I'm not sure with the acquisition two to one is an accurate number. I think it's going to outsell the Xbox for now, at least. Um, Maybe not in the future, but at least for now, I think it's still going to outsell them. But the two to one number has me a little bit skeptical on that. Um, But enough for me for now. Kevin, your turn to to give us some sweet, sweet news to our, our hungry ears. Okay, so speaking of potential consoles being sold, let's talk about the uh, the Steam Deck. Um, if you guys haven't heard about the Steam Deck, it is Valve's answer to the Nintendo Switch. Um, this is, it's a handheld, like, kind of console that connects with your Steam account, which is, uh, you know, Valve's virtual marketplace. Um, Cool thing, the the news today is that they officially nailed in a date for the release and selling of the Steam Deck. So that is going to be February 25th. Um, I know a lot of my friends have pre-ordered their Steam Deck already. Um, It is 
how can I describe it? It it is like a it's a switch. It's a big switch with access to your uh to your Steam library. So you can play your Steam library on the go. Um and yeah, it's really interesting because a lot of people were saying um on the page, on the Steam page, it said after quarter two 2022 was the official release date. Um but Valve said, hey, uh yeah, we were supposed to do it in July. Um, but I guess we have a couple of extra things we can play with. And then Steam put out today, hey, February 25th, it's it's here. And a lot of people were I, I'm really interested in it, but I as for me, I always do this thing where you know I wait for the first reviews to come out. And then if I like the concept and I think that it's a really cool idea, I I may save up some money to go ahead and get it. But the Steam Deck seems like a really interesting concept. And I just want to know what it's like, you know, in somebody else's hands and with the reviews, um, if it's worth to pick up or not. Um, From July to February is a very big move up. Yeah, it's a huge step forward. And I, that's the thing that, like, I'm, you know, I'm hesitant about, right? Um, if you push it, if you push a console this far up, it's like, okay, that's cool that we are going to be able to get it earlier, but like that, that's kind of like, is, is there things that is going to be wrong with it? Like with the first wave is, are they intentionally like, I wouldn't say they're intentionally throwing, but like, is it like here, take our, take our first line and hope that it works. Right. And then. Right. They'll be like, oh yeah, wait, wait, wait. We have we have another one coming out like right around the corner, so don't even worry about it. But then like everybody who pre-ordered it gets like this crummy first first <laughs> one of it. And I'm like, oh, okay, uh-huh. yeah, that's not cool. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting to see like this is Steam's way of answering um the switch. And it's in my opinion, this is like totally just Kevin opinion here. Um I like the idea. I don't know how many games you're going to be able to like one for one it, you know? Right. Um, which is, it's cool that it will work that way. But at the same time, uh, it's, it's really different. And I hope that, it, I hope it turns out good. Cause there's a lot of games that like, I would like to play on a controller, right? Like, um, but yeah, but not all of them are built or ported yeah, for controller, right? Exactly. Like not every game in your Steam library is going to allow you to use a controller. Um, but the ones that do feel really good on controller. So like, I mean, the big ones would be like if you were to play like Hollow Knight, if you were to play like, you know, uh, Death's Door, Cuphead or something like that. Um, I feel like those are all games that you can play with your controllers right now that would work really well on a steam deck and you could just bring it around and be like, okay, well, I'm going to go over to a friend's house. So I, I want to like completely ignore my friend and play, you know, Batman Arkham Asylum. I can do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> An excellent game to ignore your friends too. Yeah. Just be like, Hey, shut up. I'm, I'm, I'm doing things in Batman. Uh, so yeah, it's a really interesting concept and I want to see how it, plays out like first because i know that there's going to be a list of games that like 
you know you can't play. Like, I cannot go online and play, like, Team Fortress 2 on my Steam Deck. That is not going to work. Um, but I do... I would like to play some of the games that are, like, controller-friendly that might work for it. Like, I mean, would Portal 2 work for it? Will, uh, will like, Slime Ranchers work for it? There's, like, a bunch of games that you can play with a controller, and I've, I just want to see where that leads, you know? Yeah. Um, and there will be a... There will probably be a bunch of lists, like YouTube videos and stuff like that, of people saying, these are the best games for the Steam Deck, and these are the games you should try with the Steam Deck. And um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it now. Um, number five is going to be Hades. Uh, everybody's <laughs> going to say, like, Hades is a great game to play on a Steam Deck. I mean, it's fun on the Switch, so it, it's definitely good for the Steam Deck. So um, that that is definitely one that I was looking forward to, but I'm definitely waiting on people to get it first and then i'll be like okay is it worth it for me to throw my money at this or should i wait until you know i get something better down the line Mm -hmm. so you said this is supposed to be the competition for the switch Mm -hmm. you think it's actually gonna do you think it's this i don't i don't feel like it's the same market though yeah i feel like the the difference between the two is like I, I like the concept of the Steam Deck. It's like your portable Steam library, which is something that like you know a lot of games still have issues with. It's like there's only one other the the only other portable console right now is you know the Nintendo line of games or the Switch itself, right? So the Switch. You have like the the 3DS, the it whatever the latest one is, the <laughs> like all the DS lines, all the handheld lines have always been to Nintendo for the most part. Like, yeah, there's the PSP and the Vita and stuff like that, but um right now it's like just the Switch, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like this is another console that can be like, hey, if let's just say if you don't want to play your Switch games today you can bring this with you instead um, and have access to your Steam library again. And um, the the thing that I'm most interested in is how quickly will it be able to move between both of them? So like, let's say if you play a game on, on Steam on your PC and you save there and then you go outside and you're like, hmm, I, I, would, I want a game outside today, right? You, you bring your Steam Deck to the park uh, <laughs> Would you be able to just open it up and be right where you left off? Or do you have to go through, you know, everything again? And just is it its own save file? And another thing is, like, they do have different sizes. Not, like, hand sizes of, like, the physical console itself, but, like, the amount of data it can hold. So Uh does that mean that you can download games and play them offline separately on your Steam Deck? Um and if so, uh, what crazy games will people start having? Um, and I'll, and what crazy games am I going to be watching on BART as I sit behind the guy who has the Steam Deck? <laughs> um, you know, the, the real questions. Because, um, like, it'd be kind of insane if I'm just sitting on BART and some dude's playing Monster Hunter, okay? Like, it's, I just want to see what options there are and what what games can, can be played with it. Um, the one thing, like, if you look at the Steam Deck, like, all the controls are very up at the top. 
that was one thing that like <laughs> it took me a little bit of time to be like oh what is this <laughs> and i don't know what every single aspect of the steam deck is i know that there are triggers on the back of the console as well like towards where your where the grip is so that's going to be an interesting thing to to format in um but yeah it's just more of an interesting it's like the the next portable option um that isn't the nintendo switch so i feel like that's just the option that they're going for um steam also announced that they are going to be making it a a quote-unquote dock as well so um they are working on a way to externally like hook up the steam deck to a computer or to a uh to another monitor if you wanted it um that gives you the option for they said okay external displays wired networking usb peripherals and um extra power so it it is an option it will be sold separately but you can bring essentially like this little it's not like a full like nintendo switch dock but it's like this little block that has like a display port an hdmi a usb-c uh ethernet connections and like three usb ports so like if you had a full controller and you wanted to bring a friend over or i mean if (laughs) i i just know that this is going to be a thing and it's going to be a jank setup and it's going to be at some anime convention in the future but like you're going to have a bunch of people in the bathroom playing like guilty gear off of a single off of a single steam deck in the bathroom all having their fight sticks plugged into this usb hub it's gonna be so funny <laughs> but i do feel like that is what they're aiming for it's like we we aren't completely finished with this but we we're ready to give you the handheld thing we're not ready to give you quite the dock mm-hmm. um but they are trying to say we want to compete with nintendo and i feel like this is it's good it's good for the uh it's good for the gamers because it's more like okay yeah now we have more options we have options to you know bring games that we normally would have to sit down and play and like i i feel like it's cool in that fact that you can carry it with you but at the same time it's it probably lights a lights a fire underneath nintendo a little bit saying like okay well now that steam and valve have an option to you know, put some of these games that are now handheld um, and and give them to, you know, the consumer, um, we're going to have to start getting more creative with our exclusives and, like, what games can we get that they won't port out to Valve and put on the Steam Deck? Um, and, I mean, like, they have all their properties, which is fine. And, like, I mean, later down the line, we are going to be talking about those specific properties. but it's like yeah this is something that we we need a little bit of competition for like the switch has been the only handheld console in the last like few years that people want and the steam deck is just saying hey i want to i want to compete in that space as well mm-hmm. but yeah moving on from steam to uh stream stuff uh let's talk about <laughs> i was about to say feet and that would have been real bad um <laughs> Please let's no. talk about let's talk about the new Elgato <laughs> product. I mean it it is foot powered. Um so <laughs> the Elgato uh family of stuff usually it is stream related things. I use a bunch of Elgato's products. I'm not sponsored, I wish. Um but 
they came out recently with the Elgato Stream Deck pedal. And this is something that like I I've been trying to push for this for a long time. And I know that they have USB pedals and stuff like that, but like this is the first time that Elgato has kind of taken their stab at it. And I was like, why don't we have a foot pedal yet? And they're like, mm, we hear you. And we, we got one. So the Stream Deck pedal is a pedal that allows you to uh, have three programmable buttons on it that you can use to control aspects of either your stream or your uh, your just everyday life. And it's programmable the same way how people use um, the Steam or the Stream Deck, which we have right now. By the way, Steam Deck, Valve, Stream Deck, Elgato. Very confusing. Um, <laughs> but the Stream Deck, like, interface is a bunch of like programmable hotkey things that I use all the time on my stream. It allows me to cut in between like certain scenes and like have hotkeys for things. Um, and yeah, it, it's just really helpful in that fact. So I feel like that is something that we can easily work on. Um, and with this foot pedal thing now, you can program it the same way how you do with your stream deck. Um, and it gives you a lot of options to like hotkey certain things on it and allow you to um, switch around without having to commit your hands. And it's probably better in the middle of like gameplay. That is one thing that I was looking at this for. Um, like, let's say if you're in the middle of like a crazy Overwatch game, you just got like a 5k with a diva bomb and you want to clip it, but you have to go and touch the objective or else you'll see nine and you don't want that to happen. So you have to. Originally, you would get to the point, you would hit the clip it button or whatever button you have to save that point, and then you would continue on with your day. But that requires you to take your hand off of the, of the keyboard and or mouse. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how far the thing is for you. So it's really cool that they invented, you know, a, a foot pedal, finally, that you could just kind of tap and it will, will kind of do that for you. It will be like, okay, we'll make a clip here. So now I don't have to worry about taking my hands off of any aspect of my stream and it's it's a lot easier to to handle and manage that way um and yeah i'm, I'm glad that they they did it it's in their store right now i'm not going to push it but it is something that a lot of streamers are going to be looking forward to i i'm definitely one of those and now i just have to find space to put it <laughs> uh and then uh, now we're going to loop back the nintendo properties that i want to talk about just quick you know, Pokemon news, since we have a lot of things in Pokemon coming out. Um, Friday is the big uh, Legends Arceus day, the 28th. So everybody who has pre-ordered or gotten it online will be getting theirs, except you know, for me, I have to wait for it to be physically delivered to me by Nintendo. So <laughs> um, mine's arriving but a little bit later. Plush. I got a plushie. So I was like, yeah, I think that's worth it. I can wait a couple days and get a plushie for it. Um, and then it, for those of you guys, for the five of you listeners out there who actually play Pokemon Unite like me, uh, the competitive season for season two ends on the 30th of uh, January. So make sure to get in as much of your competitive stuff as you can. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a one. There might be a couple days where you can't queue for competitive because they're probably going to do a couple changes. And then we'll be right back at it. Uh, later down the line and with the season three and everybody like you know rushing to be
become the next top player again. So that's going to be really interesting to see what comes up and around the corner. So, yeah, that's that's the Pokemon update. If there's anything else that you uh, you find or you want to you want to see, just let me know. And uh, I'll just keep my I'll keep my uh, finger on the pulse of this as well. In terms of, of more updates, Blizzard's got a little bit of, of an update on their acquisition. I shouldn't say Blizzard, but we have an update on the acquisition. So um, Sony was pretty much saying, hey, we know that um, you've acquired Activision Blizzard, Microsoft, but there were contracts in place and we fully expect you to honor said contracts. And Microsoft has said, for the foreseeable future, uh, a lot of these, um, the the games that we are making, or not we, but well, I guess they can say we um, because they now own them. But we, as the Microsoft Activision Blizzard King, are making that our cross-platform are going to remain cross-platform for the foreseeable future. Um, and so, for example, for Call of Duty, at least the next three Call of Duty games, I think, are meant to be also on PlayStation. But after that, it's kind of anyone's guess. Um, So what that means for Overwatch is that Overwatch 2 is most likely going to be cross-platform, but Overwatch 3 has a good possibility of just being an Xbox exclusive. Mm, Yeah, that's going to be interesting down the line, but hopefully, uh, I I mean, I've made the joke on... I mean, there's a video in uh, in my Discord that has to do with gaming, and it's really funny. <laughs> it's about how Call of Duty is the same game, just with a different name, <laughs> and a slightly, slightly just like two seconds added of campaign, <laughs> and then they'll be like, "Yeah, so it it works. It's the same thing. Just slap it on, you know. We'll just uh, oh wait, they want a campaign. They want more campaign. Mm, make it a DLC. Let's go." <laughs> People are like. Like what? Did you pay thirty? Pay thirty bucks? Oh, you know what? You know what they want? They want skins. <laughs> like no, stop! <laughs> They're like, you know, you know what's better? One button combos. And I'm like, stop, <laughs> stop. <laughs> no, but um, in all seriousness, I hope that like, if let's just say they release, you know, more Call of Duty, this Call of Duty, like the next three, right? They said are going to yeah. be cross platform, and then the next one after that is going to be crazy. Um, yeah, that's what that's what we're thinking is that after that, the next three that they've pretty much announced that it's going to be like, Haha, now we're exclusive. Yeah. And if that next Call of Duty game is crazy and has like a Master Chief like armor in it, like people will buy it <laughs> like they they will make the option to, to try to go for it. And I think that would be that'd be fine by me. Just just make it happen. I mean, like, honestly, to be fair, I bought the Xbox because Hellblade was bought by Microsoft and they're making the, the sequel uh, an Xbox exclusive. So honestly, I bought it in, entirely so that I can play Hellblade when it comes out. Yeah, so it's just going to be it's going to be interesting. Um, But as far as like the actual acquisition goes, we are kind of in a um, I mean, we, we know that it. it both parties have accepted, but we're still kind of in a, a, a not so fast there. haha, slow down kind of thing, because um, at least in the U S there are protections against 
monopolies because as we have learned through history monopolies are not a good thing they are only good i guess when you are playing the board game by parker brothers which i mean initially was supposed to warn against the evils of capitalism but backfired horribly (laughs) but um apparently because this is such a huge and i guess previously there's been no gaming deals and no acquisitions of this size. We haven't really had to deal with this before, but the, um, the federal trade commission and the department of justice and other regulatory bodies could potentially step in before this is finalized next year. And I think may June, 2023 is when they're expecting everything to be done and finalized. But before that's happened, like, these regulatory companies can say, no, there's too much of a monopoly here. There's too much power. And they could either kind of cancel the deal or even just, or to a lesser extent, change what is, um, what the terms are for it. So that will be something definitely to keep an eye on because I obviously that has a huge impact on the deal and, and what it means for, the gaming industry in the future if this goes through then we will have a huge titan of the industry and then at that point are they going to be allowed to continue to to buy more companies is is sony going to try to strike back and do something even bigger than they are to continue competition um but as far as this deal is concerned microsoft's defense is that there is still plenty of competition within the gaming industry so that in spite of the massive size of this merger, um, it's not really going to actually monopolize the industry. I think that's a load of shit because they've already bought so many companies because they own Mojang, they own Bethesda, and now they own Activision, Blizzard, and King. So again, I do not trust Microsoft. I do think that if this deal does go through, it should be heavily, heavily scrutinized to make sure that Microsoft does not become the one and only gaming company that will rule everything. Um, I do. I will accept their point that there is, there are plenty of independent gaming companies out there, but honestly, none of them can really compete with Sony or Microsoft right now. So it, it is a little spooky how like, you know, monopoly monopoly bad, even though game make it sound like good, but it's not, um, very good smooth brain explanation. Um, but yeah, I feel like this, if it starts eating up a lot of companies, um, we might have like, you know, the one, one big gaming company that just feeds us one thing at a time. But at at the moment, like if I feel like if this goes through, Sony will strike back with something crazier as well. Um, and and then this will only just start another, you know, console war of some sorts. Um, it, if we have seen anything that has happened, you know, in the past where Atari tried to buy up a ton of stuff, uh, it doesn't it doesn't go well. Uh, so, in, in my opinion, I feel like a lot of people just need to, like, people need to have faith that smaller gaming companies and other companies that aren't necessarily just named Microsoft or Sony uh, will will persevere there's still a reason why like indie games are still one of the more popular you know genres of games and it's not just because like it's it's like something that a lot of 
smaller game companies can handle, but also it's just a really good way of like breaking into the industry. So hopefully we get to see a lot more of like smaller gaming companies still, you know, get, get their money uh, after, you know, working so hard on something. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I would like to see what the FTC does with this. Um, if they, if they deny it, right. What does this mean for ABK? And then at the same time, if they approve it, uh, what will Sony do? Uh, and then, uh, how will, how will Nintendo continue to fish in, you know, animal in animal crossing and just wait as everybody else is burning around them. <laughs> yeah. I think, my, I think Nintendo is safe just because they have their own exclusives and their own thing. And like, I don't feel like Nintendo is competing with Sony and uh, Microsoft. I feel like that's a, a private war in itself. But honestly, I mean, while the FTC likely can block or alter the deal, I feel like Microsoft and ABK know that this is such a huge deal that would likely draw scrutiny from these regulatory bodies. And I don't think that they would have announced it had their legal teams found any possibility that it would be blocked or heavily changed. So honestly, I feel like it's probably going to go through as is, if not only receiving very minor changes. Yeah, and we've seen the joke around uh, the internet about what would happen afterwards if, uh, like, who would Sony acquire... To, to counter this and a lot of people are pointing at uh, Square Enix to be the one that they try to get um, but I I would not be I would not put it past them to try to do something crazy like that watch them acquire someone stupid like EA they they, they would they would not waste their money on that that no, <laughs> would be just asking to fail Sony would probably try to go for okay well I know they're bigger but it's an it would be crazy but konami if they went for konami or if they bought kojima productions ooh i feel like both of those would be really good exclusives for the ps5 i'm not saying i'm not the big big brain up there but i think that would be a really interesting uh option you know watch blizzard or not blizzard Watch Sony be dumb and try to acquire Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> then, then we have a then we have a problem there. That's where the monopoly is at. There we go. Watch us have the the um the X station or the P box. <laughs> um, but in over more Overwatch news, um, well, not more Overwatch, but in specifically Overwatch news. Um, the Lunar New Year event is now live. We have five skins this year, and it is going until February 15th, 2022. The problem is, is that we only have five skins. We've got the um, Prosperity Ash skin, the Porcelain Wrecking Ball skin, and the Auspicious Soldier 76 skin that you can get by winning the uh what is it 27 matches or whatever for each week and then we have the um i can't i don't know if i'm pronouncing these right but the sail bim and the neza 
skins for Mercy and Tracer, respectively. And that's it. So a lot of people are, are, are a little bit upset, rightly so, that we're not getting really anything worthwhile this patch. But Blizzard has responded saying that they recognize that this event is a little bit lackluster, but um, the, the skins, quote, the skins team is hard at work with more legendary skins planned in 2022 than any year prior. We'll share more with players on this topic throughout the year. Um, and quite honestly, I completely forgot that the Lunar New Year event was a thing. Uh, I only knew because the Zomniks in our team chat were posting about it. Otherwise, I completely would have forgotten. Um, and quite honestly, I feel like this event is probably the least important out of all of the events. Like, I honestly don't care about it. I don't really care for any of the skins. Um, so I'm not too bothered about it. If we if this just means that we get even more and even better Halloween skins, I am completely for it. But they get and then again, specifically for this event, what I've seen people talking about online is that it's drawing criticism to the Blizzard team and the Overwatch team. It's like we we get that you want to put more skins out, but if this is only adding to the perception that the game is is absolutely dead, because like, yeah, we want more skins, but like you could only manage to muster out two for this event. Like, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah it it feels kind of weird how it's just like that's that's it. Like here's two skins. Have have fun. Here's two skins, uh, two two emotes, and uh, one highlight intro. That's it. That's that's what you get. And like I get it. Like it's hard to work on a game when you know there's a bunch of lawsuits going on. But at the same time, it's like I if I feel like you could have just went with the the weekly stuff and just like. Even though you gave us a little bit, like I'd I'd rather take like this tiny bit than nothing. But at the same time, it feels like, uh, if if you're setting a precedent from like the previous years and so on and so forth, even in the middle of like kind of the, the dead spell of like, of the game where like people aren't super interested in it, but you're still putting out good skins, like, it you're going to. You're you're starting to lose a lot more than just your player base and the people who are still like trying to play your game, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So if if anything, like it's cool that you're adding more to the game and that this is an event, but only your diehard fans are are left. <laughs> yeah. Another update that did happen is we got a patch for Mercy. So, um. Previously, her res worked that like if you fell off the edge of the map, it's kind of like sucks to suck. You fell off, you got enviro killed. But now in this latest live patch, um, Mercy can now resurrect teammates that have been enviro killed. So um, previously, this is I'm quoting here from the actual patch. Previously, if a teammate died over a death pit, the resurrect marker was hidden and fell into the pit. Now Mercy will see the resurrect marker and can resurrect before it falls to the bottom. Mercy can now resurrect teammates who have have fallen. So when when she's resurrecting, 
the marker will freeze in place for the duration of the resurrection. Um, and holding the ability button for resurrect while it's on cooldown will now attempt the resurrect once the cooldown finishes. So that's the changes to, to Mercy. Um, my question is, is like, where's it going to res you? Is it going to res you right over the pit and you fall again? Um, is it going to put you right outside the edge of the pit? Like, I don't know. I haven't had to been resed over a pit yet, so. Yeah, I don't know how that works yet, but I, I saw the I saw the ones of Farah being like mm -hmm. killed midair. Um, like, let's just say if you're like flying up near uh, the, the one that the example was at Lighthouse on Ilios uh -huh. um, and like the Farah was trying to go through like the top window um, and they died. And the Mercy is able to just float in there and res in the middle of the window now. So, like, that could help. Um, and I feel like that is an interesting, like, way of doing it. And the, the character gets resed right where the, the orb is. So, there is a little bit that they can work with. Um... But yeah, I, I don't know how it's going to work when you're over a pit. We, we got to try that. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, if anything, this is like a, a nice quality of life change for Mercy players. And like, if you're in a very boopy map, this could potentially, uh, one, one if, you're, if you're a booper like a Lucio, um, this gives you the opportunity to try to maybe boop a Mercy off into the pit if they're trying to res someone who's in the pit. Or if you're able to get it off as the Mercy, this can actually change a lot of how the game is played in, in these environmental kill maps and stuff. So uh, I, I hope I think this is a good change. I like it. I'm happy with it. Now just give me the Farah drop, even though I don't play Farah anymore, because she she's useless when you've run out of floaty juice in the air. Yeah, you just get you're just a floating target. Um, and speaking of patches, like the last time we got an experimental patch was the um, streamer creator patch that we got way, way, way back on November 30th. So it's been a whole two months. Um, if you remember, that's the one where we had Violet, Flats, and uh, Somju just tweak the heroes a little bit. We had a, a few fun things there. Um, some of the things, I think the only thing that really made it into the actual patch that I remember was um, Reinhardt's Earth Shatter did more damage, so that eventually transitioned to the live thing. But there is another one of those patches coming. We don't have a ton of details about it right now. So far, is the only thing that we know is that Jake Lyon, the Jake that we all know, is going to be one of the content creators who is working on this patch. So far, he is working on the um Genji, Doomfist, Echo, May, Farah, Junkrat, Sombra, Bastion, Hanzo, and Torbjorn changes. Um, I'm not sure who the other two creators are that are working on this patch, but it's I not only know one. of one of the other ones. Who's the other one? There uh Lemon Kiwi is on it too. Oh, interesting. Of course, well, that makes sense because Jake and Kiwi have casted before and they're kind of like <laughs> partnered up sometimes so that makes yeah. sense um, so that that's another one i don't know who the lemon, last one is who's lemon tweaking i don't know all i saw was her 
her tweet saying that she's going to be the one who's kind of like she's a part of the next experimental patch so we'll okay. we'll see who she gets um but i hope it I hope it breaks the game in a fun way. <laughs> yeah, I see. I liked. I didn't like all the changes in the last one because I feel like it was very inconsistent. The changes that they made, like some were very, very fun. Like the tank changes were all really, really fun. I feel like a lot of the DPS ones were done way too seriously. Like it didn't fit in with like it, it felt like it was we were playing two different games. Like the the DPS changes were all very serious and like this is actually going to make them play very differently whereas the tanks it's like hey let's screw around with this a little bit so i'm hoping for more of the let's screw around with this a little bit as opposed to the let's actually try here i don't know okay lemon has the tanks Ooh, okay okay that should be fun i hope that they're crazy and I mean, I I think Jake will do like Jake as as a pro player. Uh, well, I mean, they're all done with pro players, but I think Jake with his personality and like being on the outlaws and like being the Jake rat and being a, a more fun personality in the Overwatch League. I I can I'm hopeful for him for what changes he's going to put in. Yeah, it's always good to have a pro perspective on on the game and seeing yeah. what. Uh, what can be added you know it's going to be really interesting to see uh if anything like what specific changes that jake has seen over the course of the game and what adjustments does he want to see happen in the game yeah yeah and so for our last two stories um we haven't had a lot of news out of blizzard obviously because a lot of things are going wrong there. And the news that we do get is, is nothing that we want to hear. Um, but in light of Overwatch, no, not Overwatch, what am I saying? Um, but in spite of BlizzCon really being affected by this and being shut down and I guess as a way to, to keep Blizzard out of any undue media attention because it's getting a, a whole lot of unwanted media attention right now um mikey barra said that or what was it um so in, in how do i how do i phrase this um so right now blizzard is is looking for people to work on a a new survival game in a new universe or whatever but a fan said in response to this like hey we get that you're trying to staff them for this new game, but why don't you just do work on your existing properties instead? Because a lot of people are very eager for news and, and to play the, the games that you've teased for so long. Um, and so that response, Mikey Barra, who's like now the new Blizzard head said in a tweet, Blizzard is a big studio and we have talented and growing teams supporting live games as well over the coming weeks. You'll hear more on that from Warcraft and Overwatch. Diablo will follow. Stay tuned. So all of this and my rambling to say that we might be getting some news in the next couple of weeks. Hopefully it's good and not just useless. Like, hey, look at the, the new sound that we're doing for Overwatch. Like when 
yes, that's cool, but no one really cares. We want news about when we're going to be able to play this game. So any, yeah. any day now, Blizzard. Yeah. We've been and waiting for years. Yeah. In 2025, everybody. Oh, God. <laughs> just, Mark your calendars. No, um, I'm <laughs> I'm honestly just waiting for them to honestly just give us that give us that demo from from 2018 or whatever. Like give us that demo to like test. And like, yeah, we'll pick it apart, we'll poo all over it, but like at least you're giving us something to right to work with, you know? Something um, to keep to keep the hype alive because it's pretty much gone. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So I think that's what you got to do. You got to you got to do that exactly. And if if that is the play, like to to work on like I guess, you know, it's cool that you have this survival game in the back pocket or that you're trying to get people excited for again through another Blizzard uh you know, a, another Blizzard property, right? Um as long as you're honoring your previous like your your previous IPs that you still have like that that's good and everything so i i hope that they get whatever they need to get fixed fixed soon and then just like move forward but if if Mikey Barrow is saying like you know keep your eyes peeled for certain things which i mean the the tweet kind of hinted at it of like Hey, look out for, you know, new announcements. Like we, we could only get excited for those kinds of things. So just don't, don't let us down again. <laughs> just actually give us good news. Um, That's asking for a lot, Kevin. That's I, I know for a lot right now. I'm, I'm waiting for them to be like, you know what? We're also changing Torbjorn's name. And I'll be like, Oh God, like I get it. He's named after a dude, but why? <laughs> It's like we're calling him Mick Bearderson, and I'm like, mm, nah. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I would actually start calling him Mick Bearderson. Like, uh, that would be a fun one. It's like Bodie McBoatface. I'm like, all right, cool. Hurt uh, Mick yeah. Beardy Man. Yeah, the 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 the, the Hammer Boy. <laughs> That's all it's <laughs> called. Uh, but like, honestly, just uh, I hope that they give us a bigger update than just saying, yeah, that's cool uh the this is what we're working on but like give us something that we can like actually enjoy i swear if the announcement is hey you got phones yeah the overwatch mobile coming uh (laughs) i would i would lose my mind (laughs) and be like all right like we we had faith (laughs) we had faith and was dashed against the rocks there's there's a reason why that's past tense uh and you know what else is past tense kevin uh <laughs> sideshow and Bren's career with the Overwatch League. Oh no. So Sideshow and Bren have not been offered contracts to return for the next season. So it looks like we are losing that casting duo. They were they're still going to continue plat chat. So they're still going to talk about Overwatch and Valorant. Um, and they're they're open to freelancing. And I, hopefully if they are offered later down the line, if, if the league d- r- just decides, Oh, we, we, we goofed, we need them back. Um, I believe they are open to returning, but officially as it stands right now, they have, they have not been offered to come and cast again. 
Um, I know that they're one of like the fan favorite duos of them. I never really liked Sideshow. I thought it was, quite frankly, I thought it was kind of boring. And I didn't agree with a lot of the things he said. I thought he, I, sometimes I felt like he was talking out of his ass. But I do recognize that he was like a very, um, he's a very instrumental personality in the Overwatch League and how he and Brand kind of were goofy, were comedic, and they broke things down and explained them in very, um, very easy to understand ways they 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 were they broke it down so smooth brains could understand overwatch league um since we're talking about being smooth brained a lot this episode but in spite of me not particularly liking the duo as much i mean i was fine with brand but it's just sideshow bored me to death sometimes um but in spite of that i it's kind of sad not seeing them return because they added a lot of variety to the overwatch league and like this just is a, a bad sign for the health of what's to come. Like, what are you going to do with so few casters? Are you just going to make them all stay up for hours upon hours to, to the point that they're tired and can't function? And we have another Mr. X scenario from last year where he seems like he's either drugged or exhausted out of his mind. Like, it's it's not a good sign for the next season. Yeah, this is... The, the thing about having what I would consider chaotic energy casting is it breaks the monotony of all the other casters that we've had on the overwatch league, which is like, like it's good that like we have, you know, these very standard like procedures of, you know, this is what we're expecting from casting and like Brandon sideshow, when it comes down to it, they do get it done. They are great casters in their own right. It's just like, what is the Overwatch League without that even the tiniest bit of entertainment factor, right? Like, who who else, like, you, you have Zoe, you have, like, Danny, like, who else are you going to bring in to, like, kind of, I would say, not only just spice up the desk, but also, like, have another spice added to, you know, the, the craziness that the, uh, mm-hmm. the Overwatch League is. So, with uh with how can i describe it <laughs> with with Brandon Sideshow Brandon Sideshow being out um where are they going to get that entertainment factor where are they going to add like those little like funny skits and stuff yeah um i mean and, it's pretty much just going to be Zoe doing Zoe things at this point yeah, it's just like, okay, yeah, we're like the only thing would be like if Zoe just starts in the middle of a broadcast being like, I'm going to go make cookies, right? And you're just like, <laughs> okay, I guess this is what the stream is now. But like, there needs to be like, I, I know that they can find more talent. Like, if they bump Lemon and like other people, like originally, I would say like, if you were to lose Brennan Sideshow, you would have to bring back. Uh, Bubasaurus and uh, Ham Tornado. You would like that's the only other combination of people who I would be like, yes, they feel that crazy energy, but like they they haven't been in the game for a while, and it, it's unfortunate. But like, I w- I would love love to see them on the main broadcast. Mm-hmm. Um, if they bring up Lemon Kiwi, that'd be fine too. Um, and I I wouldn't put past them, but I'm very like once again this is like the the next wave of concerns that we had like after last season right it was like 
okay, well, we lost, they lost Uber, they lost Monty, they lost um, like a bunch of other commentators. And now, you know, you lose Sideshow and Bren. Um, who else do you have that can hold down the fort? And who else are you right. like planning on bringing up? And that's a, that's a lot that you need to take into consideration. Mm-hmm. And like, if you're looking to bring people up, why did you get rid of Brennan and Sideshow in the first place? When a lot of people really liked them, like they were consistently one of the more popular duos of the league coverage. So it's just, it doesn't make sense what you're doing. Honestly, like if, if, cause they've been there since the beginning. Like they've been consistent since the beginning. Like again, I not the biggest fan of Sideshow, but like I would still take him over someone like Pixie, who they just brought in last season. Like, why is Pixie still there when you're getting rid of your two OGs? I don't understand that. Yeah, it's it's really tough. Like, I need not not only do i i need to know who you're bringing in next right mm-hmm. like let's say if this works and this doesn't like you lose brandon sideshow they don't get re-signed who is your next in line because like right now i'd like i i <laughs> i don't mean to be that guy but like there's not a lot of representation on the desk besides like just in terms of like not just energy but like just backgrounds so to say like i would i want to bring like malik if malik wants to come back dude i'm like i we oh, we malik. need we, we need we need malik we like brandon sideshow were great we just need a little bit more not di- like more diversity for one but also just like yeah. different energy Cause like, like we've got Danny point, to, to fill the Asian card yeah. out. We've got Zoe to fill the woman card out. And after that, it's just white men. Yeah, exactly. So not saying like, I'm not throwing my hat in the ring. I, I don't want to take Danny's spot. Danny's good. Just don't, I'll, I'll tell you when I want to hug. Um, but like <laughs> we, we just need that. Like we, we need that next thing i i don't know yeah. i don't know how else to say it like i feel like you're gonna get to a point where you're gonna watch you're gonna watch the overwatch league and it's gonna be just like watching golf and i i would hate for that to be Ew. the case where it's just always serious you know Ew. like i i need there to be a little bit of like fun maybe a little bit of chaotic energy right uh just to make the game i wouldn't say not just to make the game viewable but just to make it like entertaining in a way Mm -hmm. like definitely the like you you just need a little bit of like some random thing just sprinkled in there (laughs) just have fun i feel like inherently esports is a very silly concept and a silly idea and a silly activity so if you take it too seriously then it's just entirely antithetical to what esports is like you're playing video games in front of an audience for plenty of money you have fun with it um, and speaking of Danny, like if anything, Danny proves that like you can you can kind of be fired from the Overwatch League and then they'll realize, oh, we need you. And then they'll bring you back. So there is, I guess, hope for Brennan's sideshow throughout the season that they might be called back in if if the team realizes, oh, we need them back. So hopefully this isn't the end for them. 
Like I, like we said, like plat chat's still going to be a thing if you like them. They're still probably going to be talking about Overwatch, and it's just not going to be official with the league. Yeah, it, if you want to catch them, they'll still be casting. That's something that a lot of casters still have the option to do. So just if you, if you love their stuff, which I, I definitely do, like feel free to watch where, wherever they go. Like you'll enjoy the cast. And I believe that concludes all of our news for the week in a very, once again, a very long episode. We, we go on a lot of tangents, but it's always, I, I enjoy the tangents a lot. We, we somehow loop it back to where we need to be. Yes, uh, we're very good at that. As long as we make it back in the end, I think we're okay. Yeah, it's not about the, uh, it, it's, it's not about the end destination. It's about the journey and hoping that we get there in one piece. <laughs> Wise words from Kanashi. Any other things you want to close out on this week, Kevin? Um, yeah, I guess I'll just I'll throw these out here since we uh we do only do these every once in a while, uh once a week. I mean that's once in a while. Um, yeah, I am streaming. Is it to to the Friday? Friday, I am doing a karaoke stream on stream because uh, I I lost a bet. Ooh. Um, so uh, <laughs> karaoke stream for an hour on Friday. Um. We don't know what time yet. We're thinking about it. Um, Sunday, I'm casting Pokemon Unite. That's going to be at one at uh, 10 a.m. PST um, at Victory Road VGC on Twitch. So feel free to, if you guys want to see me cast Pokemon Unite with Dr. Kendo, who is an amazing commentator as well, um, we will be live there. Um, 10 a.m., I know it's a huge ask, but the, uh, the main... What do you call it? The main audience is in Spain. So that's the reason why we're doing really? it at that time. Interesting. I would never have thought Spain. Yeah. For Victory Road Unite, it's like Spanish primarily. Oh, okay. It's very, very interesting on the timing. Are you casting um, it in Spanish or in English? In English. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, it, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what teams come out again. Cause we do get a lot of really good pull in, in those ones. Um, and then Monday is uh, your team's casting. So uh, on Monday, January 31st at 8 p.m., I have it I have it marked down. It's after the Warrior game. Yes. Uh, so at 8 p.m., uh, I will be casting Overwatch once again, and I got V-Flight to agree to spectate it. So, yeah, we're going to be casting Overwatch once again. I'm, I got to pull out the old, uh, the old suit and hope that it still fits. We have a game tomorrow, so we're, we might send you that code for you yeah. to, to cast and to review as well. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll take a peek. Um, I, I have V signed up for at least three. I could maybe do a couple more, so we'll see. All right, cool, cool. Sounds good. I'm excited for that. Um, but thank you all for tuning in. Tune into Kevin's streams as well. Show him some love. Show him that Give him all those twitchy feels in on the Twitch stream. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but, but thank you for tuning in and we will catch you next week. Adios. Next week, we bring you the latest in gaming and pop culture news.
Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.